Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Good morning, everyone. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you. And Fizz Radio is on these airwaves every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Thomas, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Brad? I'm living the dream, and it's because we have a great show for you. We're going to talk to Frank Anselm's high school coach, Joey Fuca, an incredible guest. I'm excited because he is one of the puppeteers of college basketball. You'll see why later in the show. And yes, Frank Anselm is a highly coveted recruit for Syracuse. He's joining, though, a pretty stacked freshman class with Kadari Richmond, Woody Newton. The question is, which one of those three has the highest potential and the highest ceiling for the Orange? But Thomas, we start on the gridiron, and we know how talented Andre Sisco is for Syracuse. Coming in as a true freshman, leading the country in interceptions in his sophomore season, an all-ACC second-teamer. And now he's heading into his junior season. And going into that season, well, he was ranked the top safety in the nation by Lindy's just acknowledgement of his greatness. But now it's different because he's entering a new system, a 3-3-5 with a new defensive coordinator. Will his success in a new system solidify himself as an NFL first rounder? You know, I think there's a lot at play this year. I think he really needs to show that he can be a ball hawk in this new system and not just that the 3-3-5 kind of threw him off his game. I think really he needs to be able to show that he can excel here. And I don't think that's going to be a problem because the 3-3-5, since you have five defensive backs, there's going to be much more opportunity for Andre Sisco to do what Andre Sisco does best and just go get the ball and be a free range, a center fielder back there in the secondary. So I think hopefully knock on wood, this will be a really good season for Andre Sisco to even become more so of a great player than he's already been and be a lock for a first rounder. See, I I agree with you on part of that and disagree with you on another. I don't think he's going to be an NFL first rounder. He might even be the best safety in the game in the country. He's not going to be an NFL first rounder. The last first round pick out of Syracuse was Justin Pugh in 2013, a lineman. And look, bottom line is Syracuse is not safety you. It's not DBU, all right? I looked at Bleacher Report. uh, They had a mock draft. Three safeties in the first round, two from the SEC and one from Texas. NFL teams want big-time schools out of their safeties. It's not really as important in other positions like North Dakota State. Carson Wentz came, and he was fantastic, a high draft pick, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, the quarterback from North Dakota State this year, he should be a high pick as well. But it's, it's more important where you come from, name recognition, for safeties. NFL teams don't trust a Syracuse safety. That's why you haven't had one come out of school uh, as a first-round pick in a long time. But I do think he's the best safety in the country. I think he deserves to be a first-round pick. And I think the 3-3-5 will help him even more so than the system last year. So, Brad, I, I, I thought you were going to go in a different route than you actually went there. I thought you were going to say, you know what? He's the best safety in college football this year. He's going to be the best in the draft. But teams in NFL just don't draft safeties that often in the first round. You went a different route, which I heavily disagree on, actually. I think, look, Syracuse isn't LSU. It's not Alabama. It's not Clemson. It's not Florida. It doesn't have this DBU talent. 
They also haven't had a player like Andre Sisco come out of the system in a really long time. And for Andre Sisco to be a first rounder, what he needs to do is he needs to step up and really perform when he can against Clemson, against Louisville, even Georgia Tech, NC State, Florida State under Mike Norvell. Those are times and opportunities when he can go up against some of the best talent in the country, especially against Clemson and Louisville, where he needs to show out and show what he can do. And if he does that and he plays his game, he plays as well as he possibly can and how he usually plays, there's no reason to expect him not to go into that first round because especially in smaller school guys, and Syracuse doesn't fit this description since it's in the ACC, but for guys in non-Power 5 conferences, scouts really look at those games when they played those really powerful teams, those SEC, ACC, ACC, Big Ten schools. Andre Sisco gets to play Clemson every single year and go up against Trevor Lawrence, Justin Ross, the best receivers in the country. That's his opportunity to break out and be a first-round talent lock. Oh, yeah, good for him. He gets to go up against Trevor Lawrence and elite talent in the ACC once every maybe two or three weeks. Let's not forget the ACC had a down year last year, and I expect some of the same this year. But Andre Sisco's best asset as an NFL prospect, it's his nose for the ball. He has 12 interceptions, which leads the nation over the past two years. And I think Cisco's interse- interceptions number interception numbers will stay high as the boundary safety, but NFL teams are not necessarily looking for a guy with a nose for the ball as a safety. They're looking more for physical readiness and your ability to be a bruiser as an NFL safety. It's great in college. You have five uh, defensive backs, 3-3-5. Three, three, if you're not the Steelers, that's not really going to fit. So Cisco has to prove himself as more than just a glorified corner that's playing center field. And I, I again, I think Cisco's totally capable of being a fantastic NFL safety, a Pro Bowl caliber NFL safety. Let me throw that out there. But I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to prove himself in the way that NFL teams need him to. So is that a detriment to the 335 then and not necessarily Cisco? It's not. It's it's more just college. The, the college system, and again, I think he needs to, to show his ability to be a bruiser more so than just a center fielder. But hey, either way, Cisco's playing at a Hall of Fame caliber level. Dwight Freeney and Marvin Harrison, they're included on the actual 2021 College Football Hall of Fame ballot. And those two Syracuse alums, the last Syracuse alum enshrined in the College Football Hall of Fame, it was 2012, Art Monk. And since then, a rather... 18 Syracuse players and coaches are in the Hall of Fame. The question is, does Dwight Freeney and Marvin Harrison, do they do they deserve to be 19 and 20? I mean, I, I think yes. I'm surprised that Marvin Harrison hasn't gotten in yet. This is his third year on the ballot. I think really it's just a matter of time for him. And I would be shocked if Dwight Freeney doesn't get in very soon as well because Dwight Freeney and his Syracuse career was one of the most dominant players in program history. And that's a first ballot hall of famer, of course, not just in college, but since we're talking college football hall of fame, it seems inevitable for either of them to, you know, not make it at some point. I think it's just a matter of time. And frankly, I'm shocked that Marvin Harrison isn't in yet. All right. So I have a pretty unpopular opinion here. It's not a good day for me and the Syracuse football fans, because I don't think Cisco is a first rounder in the NFL. And I don't think either one of these players belongs in the College Football Hall of Fame. Okay, I start with Marvin Harrison. Okay, to be on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot, you need to have earned a first-team All-America honor. 
Harrison obviously did that, and he was great for Syracuse. Caught for over 2,700 yards career, which was a record at the time since broken by Steve Ishmael. But he made first-team All-American honors as a kick returner. So he's trying to get into the hall as a wide receiver, but he's only on the ballot because he's a kick returner. There's no way Harrison belongs in there. If he was going to make it, he would have made it by now. As you said, it's his third year on the ballot. And with Dwight Freeney, yeah, he was great, and he has actually the highest career sacks per game average in college football history. Good for him, 1.61. He doesn't deserve to get in. That's not Hall of Fame worthy? No, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because I I need to see team success. And I understand Ah. he's not a quarterback, he's not a head coach, but his best year was 2001, and that was the best year that the team had with him, 10-3. and Now, they lost the first two they lost the first two games of the season and they go on to win eight in a row. Freeney was obviously integral in that. But then, after that, they 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 get shelled. 59-nothing. 59-0 against Miami. Now I, I don't want Freeney's career to be minimized to one game, but it's the principle. If you're the leader of the team and you belong in the Hall of Fame, you shouldn't be getting shelled 59-0 after winning eight in a row. I don't care if Miami's the number one team. I don't even care if it's played in Florida. Bottom line is, when the moment was big for Freeney and the Syracuse 2001 team, it was too big. And for that reason, I don't think that Freeney belongs in there. He's just not synonymous with greatness in, in college football. It's not what I think of. I don't think of College Football Hall of Fame when I hear Dwight Freeney's name, and that's why. Brad... I've got some bad news for you. Um, you're 100% wrong about Dwight Franey. Look, you talk about team success. The team went 10-3, and three and you say, well, they got shelled 59-0 to by Miami. This is classic Miami 2001. We're talking some of the legends of the game, some of the best of all time coming through those corridors in Miami. You can't hold that against Dwight Freeney. This is a guy who had 17 and a half sacks in 2001 that set an NCAA, a Big East, and a Syracuse single-season record. He had an NCAA record with forced fumbles and recovered in the season. Now 11 forced, three recovered. For you to sit here and say that Dwight Freeney is not a Hall of Famer in college football is absolutely slanderous. This guy is a first ballot punch-in guy. Put him in the Hall of Fame immediately. Congratulations. 17 and a half sacks in 2001. And what does it Incredible. get them? The Independence Bowl. Good for them. Yasha Koach, as my people would say. Look, I'm cutting you off. That's just blasphemy. We're moving on to basketball. And on the other side here on Fizz Radio, on the score 1260, Joey Fuca, Frank Anselm's high school basketball coach. He joined us, the leader of prolific prep. He is a puppeteer of college basketball, and you'll see why. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you. And when I said we have had a special guest at the top of the broadcast, I was not lying. Joey Fuca, Frank Anselm's high school basketball head coach, joins us. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Now, Coach Fuca, he is a puppeteer of college basketball. And again, I said that at the top of the broadcast, was not lying. All seven of his 2020 seniors received D1 basketball offers this year. One of them happens to be top-rated player in the country, Jalen Green. He's headed straight for the G League, but Frank Anselm is coming to the Hill. 
And we're just talking about what Anselm means for a Syracuse coach. From a talent and skill perspective, what does Anselm bring? Yeah, well, first of all, he's a great kid. Um, Frank was uh, a tremendous um, asset in our team this last year. As you mentioned, we had seven high major players, and um, one of them decided to play professionally. Um, but we had a really good year, and, and Frank was a huge part of that. Frank is uh, has his best uh, basketball ahead of him. He's got a humongous upside, great ceiling. Um, Frank is uh, Frank has uh, an an amazing ability to run the floor. Um, he's a gazelle. Uh, got a a great frame, and um, he's going to use his long arms, uh, his athleticism, and, and coaches two three zone. He's a high level rebounder, um, and then offensively, like I said, he runs the floor really well. He's got good hands, um, and then obviously playing with a couple of top twenty five uh, guards last year. Uh, he got a lot of opportunities to, to, you know, the ball by the rim on lobs and um, dump off passes because our guards were getting pressured. And so Frank's going to be, Frank's going to bring a uh, tremendous amount of intensity, but also uh, he's a really, really good kid. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Do you have any specific memories of Frank or any stories of him either on the court or off the court, anything that stands out from his time when you were coaching him? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, Frank, uh, Frank's a very articulate kid. Um, he processes the game at a very high level. Um, he's one of those type of kids that, uh, will ask, uh, in-depth questions about, you know, different sets and he was always demanding the basketball. So we were trying to get him ways to get more involved, but, but, uh, no, I can, I can vividly remember our last game, which was the grind session championship. Frank had probably his best game of the year. And, um, the game before that, just matchup wise, I didn't give as much playing time. And, and uh, in the championship, I think he ended up having like 16 and eight. He had a really good game and, and we ended up beating a tough team from New York and, and winning the grind session championship in New York and uh, Kentucky. And uh, Frank looked at me and he said, coach, if you were to give me as much playing time in every other game, I would have given you just as much as production. So he's just Frank's that type of kid. He's very competitive. Um, we had a, a very good relationship and, there just were times in the season where, where the matchups were right, and so he didn't get as much burn as he would like to. But uh, Frank did a really good job in the championship game, and, and uh, we're super, super ecstatic for him for the next level. And we're talking to Joey Fuca, Frank Anselm's high school basketball head coach, and Anselm a four-star commit for the Orange. Now, Coach, one of the things I like about Syracuse as a member of the media is that the basketball team has an open locker room policy after the games. The question, what am I going to see from Anselm when I go in there postgame? What's he like in the locker room? Uh, good question. I mean, I think, you know, he does, like I said earlier, he, he processes the game and he's a, he's a high level competitor. Um, and so he loves to win. So I would suggest not going in the locker room after a loss. <laughs> no, but I think he's, he's, uh, Frank's a great kid. And, and, um, he is the type of kid that'll probably be holding the box score, um, in his hand when you walk in after the game, he's always wondering how many rebounds and block shots. And, and, uh, he's a really, really articulate kid. So, um, yeah, I would suggest going in and uh, asking him about how, what his stat line was. <laughs> Coach, obviously this team was absolutely stacked. We mentioned earlier that Jalen Green is going to the G League. And you mentioned that Frank Anselm, he, he wanted that ball as much as he could get it. How did he handle sharing that spotlight with so many talented teammates? Yeah, I mean, Frank did a really good job. I will say that, you know, it was kind of a learning curve going from a not you know a normal high school to a prep you know where you're a you know top 10 program in the country 
Um, so, you know, Frank did a good job of just um, letting the game come to him. And, and um, you know, we had different sets. We, we tried to start every game with getting him a, a low post touch just so he felt like he was involved. Um, and plus it gave him some confidence. And, and uh, but, you know, Frank was really he did a really good job of, of embracing his role. Um, he rebounded at a high level. He blocked shots. He ran the floor. He actually, to be honest, he was our best screen setter. I know that sounds crazy, but when you've got two top 25 guards, they need spacing to operate. And uh, Frank did a really good job of setting wide sprint out screens and creating space for our guards to operate. And, um, you know, he Frank did a really good job of his learning curve, you know, being able to, to be an asset in our offense um, over the course of the year. And coach, obviously this is a very difficult time for everyone for various reasons. And we hope you and your family are, are getting through it fine. Uh, but for Anselm, how has he been training and keeping his body up during quarantine? Yeah, well, Frank's actually still in Napa, which um, in California, Napa is one of the only counties that's open right now. So there, I was just in the gym yesterday with him. He, he looks really good. He's, he's put on some weight, um, He's been in the gym literally every day since the county opened up, which is about a month ago. So he's he looks good. He he lives with his host family in, in Napa and has been training hard. And um, I believe he leaves for Syracuse next week. Um, but uh, yeah, he, Frank is really working on um, developing and, and knocking down a consistent 10 12 footer uh, with a little bit of face up game, and then you know continuing to to work on his back to the basket, but Frank is, Frank is really good pick and roll. And I think that that's going to be a huge, uh, a huge thing for Syracuse. Coach, we got to ask, obviously Jalen green also uh, from the same high school and the same prep school. Did Anselm since he reclassified was going G league ever a consideration or was it always college ball? That was the reasoning behind reclassifying from 2021 to the 2020 class. Um, well, you know, originally he actually was in the 21 class and then he, and then he, um, and then he, excuse me, he moved from the 20 to the 21 and, and then he ended up making a decision to, to reclassify, um, just because I think he, I think that he thought he was ready. And I, I think he is too. I think that he can help a college team immediately. Um, and I don't think the G league was ever an option. Um, you know, I think that the G league is, uh, not to say that Frank's not ready for that level, but you, you know, a lot of the guys that they were targeting were, you know, top 10 players. And so I think, you know, Frank always had the vision of playing college basketball and really Frank just started playing basketball um, in middle school. He, he's somewhat new to the game, but like I say, he's an ambassador for the game. He's a gym rat. He loves getting in the gym and getting better. And uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, college is definitely the route for him and, and he's looking forward to it. And coach, maybe you can help me wrap my head around this. We're again, we're talking to Joey Fuca, head coach of Prolific Prep, and he was also Frank Anselm's high school coach in prep school, the newest commit for the Orange. I have to try to wrap my head around this one. The guy's from Georgia. He played college ball in California, and now he wants to go to snowy, gray, dreary, <laughs> miserable Syracuse. There had to be something else besides the weather that sold Anselm on SU. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it was the weather, but I do think that Frank, um, you know, he looks at Syracuse as a as a as a historical program. Um, Coach Boheim's obviously done a, a fantastic job with Frank's position in general. Um, you know, I talked to Frank about a guy by the name of Hakeem Warwick, which 
obviously, you know, a guy played in the NBA for a while and had an amazing run at Syracuse would be a, a type of guy that Frank would look up to and, and try to resemble, right? A guy that tries to get better every year. And, and I don't think, you know, honestly, guys, I don't, the weather had no impact on Frank's decision, obviously. Um, but he, he looked at where he could fit in best um, immediately. And then he looked at, you know, the storied success of the program. And, and uh, I think Frank was really sold on, you know, obviously the, the tough conference, you're playing at the highest level of college basketball. And then obviously, um, you know, the facilities are second to none. And so Frank's really excited about getting into the program, getting better and, and helping any way he can. It seemed like his recruitment once he decided to reclassify was kind of a whirlwind with Kentucky getting involved for a while and a lot of other top programs around the country. What was that recruiting path like for him? And I know Adrian Autry was his uh, primary recruiter. Did you know him beforehand? And what's he like on the trail? I didn't know Adrian uh, personally, but we obviously got to know him um, from a recruiting standpoint. He does a great job, hard worker. And, um, you know, Frank's recruitment was (laughs) – like you said, it was kind of all over the map. I mean, he had already had, you know, some SEC and, and ACC, but then, um, you know, everybody thought that he was going to go one more year of prep school. And so, um, you know, when he decided to do that, it was kind of like a whirlwind. He was actually planning on playing AAU um, this year, but, you know, obviously with the COVID uh, things changed. So when he did uh, end up, you know, reclassifying, you know, it was kind of a whirlwind and, and then it was just kind of, you know, weeding out the ones that didn't really need an impact big man. You know, obviously San Diego State was in the final and, and they had signed, you know, a transfer, a grad transfer from Maryland. And so, um, you know, I think that the list just kind of dwindled down into what would be the best potential fit in Syracuse. And, and Coach Adrian did a really good job of, of selling their program. Uh, Coach, I'm just wondering, and, and Anselm is a highly coveted recruit for the Orange. The fans are excited to have him. What do you think his ceiling is, his potential at SU? Yeah, I think his potential, you know, I think he's a, he's an all-league type player. I think that he, you know, like I said, he rebounds at such a high clip. Um, you know, he's such a good rim runner. Uh, I know Syracuse does a really good job of letting their bigs run and, and reward them in transition. And Frank's really good at that. Um, and he's very good in ball screen. So, you know, I potentially-wise, I mean, I think that he – He'd absolutely be an all-league type player. I think that Frank's aspirations are to play professionally, and and I think that with coach's uh, development, with you know the kind of that four or five position, I think that Frank has all the uh, intangibles. He's he's long, he's athletic, he's got a seven-five wingspan. I, mean, I think that all, all that stuff adds up when you're talking about playing at the next level. And so, I think right now Frank's just concerned about playing you know as hard as he can, fitting in whatever role he can, just to earn you know minutes as a freshman. It's really hard to in a top conference and especially to school like Syracuse. So I think, you know, his potential could be anywhere, you know, being an all league player to, to have an opportunity to, to play in the NBA one day. Coach Fuca talking about his alum, Frank Anselm and the newest Syracuse basketball commit coach, best of luck to you and your family during this difficult time. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely guys. Thanks so much for having me. So you heard from Coach Fuca about Frank Anselm's potential. We're going to measure it up against his fellow freshman uh, players for Syracuse, Kadari Richmond, Woody Newton, and Frank Anselm, who has the highest ceiling at Syracuse. All that and more, it's Fizz Radio on the score, 1260.
Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you. And Fizz Radio is on these airwaves every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. And before the break, Thomas, we heard from Joey Fuca, Frank Anselm's high school basketball head coach, talking a little bit about the four-star commit's potential at SU. The question is, how does that potential, how does that ceiling measure up against the other two freshmen in this class, Kadari Richmond and Woody Newton? Brad, I actually wrote about this on our site, orangefizz.net, under the basketball recruiting tab, breaking down the potential of all three of the incoming freshmen. But I think the short answer has got to be Kadari Richmond. He's the highest rated recruit in this class. I know that might seem like kind of a cop-out choosing the highest rated guy, the only top 100 recruit in the 2020 recruiting class for Syracuse. But Kadari Richmond, not only does he have the highest floor right now, he has the highest ceiling. He has this immense athleticism that is only compared, in this recruiting class at least, to Frank Anselm. But Richmond can play any of three positions for the Orange. He can play point guard. That's what he plays in high school. He can play shooting guard. He's six foot five, maybe even up to six foot seven, according to some sites. And he can play small forward and be that wing for Syracuse. He has the length and he has a longer wingspan than he actually is height wise. So he is able to play all these different positions and can be an absolute weapon and be utilized by Syracuse's coaching staff in a variety of different ways, depending on where the game is and what needs to be done for the Orange at that point in time, whether Joe Girard's in foul trouble or just needs a break, put Kadari Richmond in that point guard. Whether Buddy Beheim needs a, pay, a break, put him in as a shooting guard. If Alan Griffin is even eligible, we don't know yet, he could play small forward and be the wing guy. That's not his ideal position, but it is a possibility for a guy who is really a Swiss army knife for this Syracuse team. You know, Richmond's the easiest answer. He's the highest rated recruit in this class. I'm a little worried about the players around Richmond by the time he gets to Syracuse, predominantly Alan Griffin. Like, how does how does Richmond's playing time, how is that going to be impacted by Alan Griffin? Whether he's playing this year or next, I think Griffin's going to really cut into his playing time. Woody Newton, on the other hand, well, he's going to have a huge void to fill. Dolajai is going to be gone soon. And who knows, with Quincy Garrier, a lot of people uh, at Orange Fizz think that Garrier has NBA potential. So if Garrier starts this year, which a lot of people think he will, I do as well, then who knows? Maybe he goes to the NBA, maybe not, but he he might leave early. And even if he doesn't, Dolezal will be gone. Woody Newton is the answer because he has to be the answer. Are you uh, are you, are you going to hate on my man Braswell like that? Yeah, I am. How's that? I, the, the guy that shrunk, wasn't he? Like He was like 6'10 and then 6'8, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he shrunk a couple okay. inches. He shrunk. Not what you really want to see out of your out of your basketball team. Again, Kadari Richmond, a fantastic player. I understand he played point guard in high school and he's a versatile player as well, but don't you think he's gonna be forced into some weird situations? Like how does that work with Gerard being a buddy budding budding star and Buddy Beheim being a fantastic ACC shooter? Richmond's probably going to be forced to the three, and he's a little light to be guarding and and playing the wing. Yeah, I think he is. I'm not sure. You mentioned that there's a lot of just clog in the lineup from one to three. Next year, there will be as well at four for Woody Newton. The year after that, you mentioned that's when he gets his opportunity to shine. I'm very curious to see how the staff uses Kadari Richmond, but I think if you use him correctly, you could use him at one through three and bring him off the bench almost as your sixth man, kind of like Quincy Garrier last year, just at different positions, because he's the backup point guard for Joe Girard in all likelihood. 
He's probably the backup too, and we're not even sure Alan Griffin's going to play. So we could see Kadari Richmond at the three. He's only six foot five, but there was a couple articles recently where he was listed at six foot seven. So I think that there there's some maybe it's like Robert Braswell. Maybe he really is six foot five, but he's listed at six seven. We'll see. He also has a really nice uh, long wingspan, which I think is not talked about enough. But this is a guy who's really lengthy and can really play a lot of different positions for the Orange next season. You're getting that phone call, and it's Jim Beheim telling you that he's going to be playing a short lineup like he always does. Doesn't matter that Syracuse is going to have more depth than they have in a very long time. Richmond is the backup point guard, I get it, but he's going to be the three, probably. I mean, that's what it's looking like. Assuming Quincy Garrier doesn't really develop his offensive game that he needs to be an ACC small forward, it's going to be Kadari Richmond. And when it is, he's not going to be able to spread his wings at the top of the zone and be a two, be a one. It doesn't matter that he played those positions. He can play one through three. It doesn't matter if he's going to be limited out of desperation by Bayheim as the small forward. I think Woody Newton brings something that Syracuse hasn't had in quite a while, and that is a power forward that could shoot. Probably since Tyler Lydon was the last time they had a real power forward that could shoot. Marek Dolajai we thought was going to be that guy. In his freshman year, he showed he showed flashes from beyond the arc. And then sophomore year, he just kind of forgot how to shoot. And we've just given up on his ability to shoot from outside. And that's okay, because we all love Marek Dolajai. He's a great passer and he's a good glue guy. But Woody Newton is going to really stretch the floor for Syracuse in a way that we haven't seen in years. I hate to break it to you, Brad, but Woody Newton's not even the second highest potential of this three freshmen. That would be Frank Anselm. This guy's the rawest of the three, but we just heard from Joey Fuca, his high school coach. He has a lot of upside, and he's really strong defensively in a 7-5 wingspan. You're going to take Woody Newton over a 7-5 wingspan, Brad? Really? Yeah, because Anselm, even though he has room to to grow and, and he has a frame that he can grow into, I'm always very cautious with scrawny centers for Syracuse I think that the 2-3 zone it's it's a lot of pressure on Anselm and I understand that he has the wingspan and he has the ability but it's it's a stacked center position for Syracuse right now ignore Barama Sidibe you have John Bolajak and Jesse Edwards who I love by the way I think Edwards might be the answer for Syracuse all he has to do is learn how to play the 2-3 zone Edwards has what can borderline not be taught, which is the offensive instinct, the touch. Anselm might as well, but Edwards, it's, it, I don't see anything that Anselm has that Edwards either doesn't or can't develop easily. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just different with every guy, and we'll see what happens with Frank Anselm once he arrives on campus. I do think he has the furthest to go to reach his ceiling, but, when, I mean, if we're talking peak, peak ceiling and what they could potentially be, if he does fill out, and I know that's the question for every single Syracuse big man, and they never seem to fill out any, he could do it. I mean, right now he's around 220 pounds, so he's not that far off from Barama Sidibe's weight. He's not far from Maradolajai's weight. I mean, he's close right now as is, and if he puts on 15 pounds, he's going to be probably the biggest guy on this roster. So for an incoming freshman, especially with Jesse Edwards, this is not really talked about enough, but we don't really know. I mean, Edwards isn't in the U.S. right now, and with this pandemic, who knows what that means if he'll be able to return to the U.S. in time for the season, but there may be some openings for Frank Anselm that aren't 
we don't think are there right now that might be there this coming season. I know, but that's a gamble, right? I want to be right, okay? I, I don't play these games just to play the game. You play to win the game. So when I'm choosing Woody Newton, that is a calculated decision and potential. The key here, my question was who has the highest potential at Syracuse, not just highest potential, period. If it's highest potential, I can actually see your point that Woody Newton has the lowest But at Syracuse, just given the way the lineup is going to pan out in 2020, 2021, and 2022, I think it's Woody Newton because Syracuse is going to have that huge void. And by the way, if Newton can develop his offensive game a little bit more, I know he has that three-point shot that's a little raw, but he has it, then he can even be a big three. And can you imagine having a six-foot-eight small forward at the wing of the zone? I mean, it's a better alternative to your six foot five small forward in Kadari Richmond. So I don't know. I, I I don't know. I just know that Frank Anselm is a risk because of the crowded centers, uh, crowded group of centers around him. And Kadari Richmond, yeah, I get it. He's the easy pick. But again, it doesn't matter that he's versatile if the top of the zone is already taken care of. You know who else was supposed to have a three-point shot when they arrived on campus as a 6'8 small forward? Quincy Quincy Garrier. Quincy Garrier. Oh, it's coming, dude. I actually think that Garrier has that three-point shot. I don't think he forgot how to shoot the three-ball on his plane flight from Quebec to Syracuse. (laughs) I don't think so. I think he lost his confidence in it, but he definitely has the ability to do it. And I know that Jim Beheim knows how important that three-pointer is to Syracuse's, Syracuse's success this year and next. So I, I don't think it's going away. I would uh, I would just have some faith. Believe without evidence, as Dino Baber said. Yeah, I, I also agree with you there, but I would like to see it before I believe without evidence for a team that, as Dino Baber said, just went 5-7 and seven last year. But I think when we're talking highest ceiling, it's all about that high-risk, high-reward, Brad. You cannot settle on not taking that risk. You got to take it sometimes. Take that leap. And we'll see. But look, we're going to head to break. On the other side, it's Fizz Feedback, and we're going to touch up on another guy who has some potential, Elijah Hughes. Where is he going to get drafted? We're also going to talk about Bayheim's Army and the breakout star for Syracuse football next year. Don't go anywhere. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you. And Thomas, it's time for Fizz Feedback. Take us through our three Fizz Feedback polls. So our first Fizz feedback question is, how far will Bayheim's Army get in the tournament? Champions, semifinals, quarterfinals, or early exit? And Brad, you might be a little surprised here, but 40% of the fans said semifinals, not the championship. Wow. I'm inclined to agree. Wow. I mean, yes, I agree too. They're a three seed. Their overseas elite is stacked. They have Joey Buckets, Joe Johnson playing for them, which is it's borderline unfair, so we'll see. And they're always they're always strong. Carmen's crew is the number one seed, and I get it. They're reigning champions. I agree. I think semifinals is correct. I just straight up thought that Fizz Nation would just predominantly say champions because they don't know much about the other teams in the basketball tournament. They're kind of homers, and they say, hey, yeah, yeah, sure, they're, they're going to win. the champions, champions of the basketball tournament. Only 24 teams. Why not? Brad, first you disregard Fizz Nation in regards to the basketball tournament. You slander Dwight Freeney and Marvin Harrison, and you say Andre Sisco isn't a first-round talent. You're you're just trying to make Syracuse fans mad today. 
I'm sorry. I mean, maybe it's my faith in orange. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe I've, I just slept on the wrong side of the pillow. I'm just a pessimist today. I apologize. I'm sorry. So for fizz feedback number two, maybe you can redeem yourself here. Where will Elijah Hughes be selected in the 2020 NBA draft? The lottery, late first round, second round, or undrafted? And by two percentage points of a win, fans voted second round with 46% over late first round with 44%. And call me an optimist, Brad, but I think he sneaks into that first round, maybe pick 29, 30, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think he's a late first-round pick as well. I think the coronavirus, the pandemic, actually helps his draft stock because you can really only go off of the tape for all these players. There's no combine. There are no in-person interviews and in-person workouts. And Elijah Hughes, he just jumps off the tape. I think the combine, the interviews, might have actually hurt his draft stock. So, yeah, I think this is this is a solid draft stock for Elijah Hughes. I agree with Fizz Nation here. And, again... They're not homers. They're not too much of homers in saying lottery. I don't think he's going undrafted. Only 6% of Fizz Nation says undrafted. But uh, you see eight, no, 90% say either late first or early second. Well, it just says second, but we're assuming it's early second. So, yeah, I agree. I'm interested why you think that maybe the interviews wouldn't have helped his draft stock because I think his athleticism might be a little bit overblown, but maybe teams really like that he's this experienced veteran presence as a rookie that you're getting off of that. It's not that he would have said something wrong or done something wrong. I'm just saying that he's not the flashiest prospect, and he he produced on the court. He was obviously an NBA talent on the court, but when you get into the gym in front of NBA scouts and GMs, they might think, okay, this guy is good and this guy can help our team next year, but maybe the way too raw should have stayed in school one year longer, freshman from Kentucky, would be better for us in the long run, for example. He has a higher ceiling, so we're going to take that guy. I think right now it's just a dangerous time for our NBA teams, and they're going to want to play it safe. And for that reason, I think Elijah Hughes, just letting the tape speak for itself is the best thing for his draft stock. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree, and then I also think, you know, those teams drafting late in the first round, those are really good teams who may just need a little tweak here or there, and Elijah Hughes can provide a little bit of a boost for them in that regard. That'll take us to our third Fizz Feedback question. Who will be Syracuse football's 2020 breakout star? And this was a two-man race. The options were Taj Harris, Abdul Adams, Jarvian Howard, or defensive end Drew Tuizama. <laughs> 40% say Taj Harris, 38% say Abdul Adams. We talked about this earlier, Brad. I really do like Drew Tuizama. I think he's going to be a really good player this year. But I think the most obvious selection is it has to be Taj Harris without Tristan Jackson this year. Well, I, we could talk about Taj Harris versus Abdul Adams. I have to get this off my chest. Why Drew Tuizama? Even a lot of the big-time Syracuse football fans... They don't know who this guy is. And and the Orange have been looking for a strong defensive end. They only have three in the trenches now. Why? Why Drew Tuazama? So here's my thing about Tuazama. And granted, it is a little bit... The, the 3-3-5 defensive shift does not help him because he'll be supplanted as your prototypical, just big anchoring run game stopping D end. But you're losing a lot of talent from Syracuse on this defensive line. You're losing Allen Robinson. You lost Kendall Coleman. 
you need kind of that DN guy. And Tuazama was kind of built in the mold. And this was a guy a couple of years ago where Syracuse coaching staff was really high on him when they were recruiting him. And he redshirted. So he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't a big factor this past season, but he was listed as the starter on the spring death chart as a redshirt freshman. That's got to tell you something. Even if they're not saying it uh, out loud, they really like this guy in the building, in the loud house. Uh, we'll see. I mean, the Orange could really use Tuazama to step up. I don't really see it, especially with that three-man front. I think it's Abdul Adams just by default with Moniel leaving and DeVito's going to need a strong run game with him because I don't think he's talented enough to carry the offense by himself. Uh, I just think Abdul Adams is going to fall into this perfectly and the offensive line is going to be stronger for him than it was for Moniel last year. The offensive line was just completely depleted. Cody Conway, Cody Martin leaving after 2018, and then you have Aaron Service splitting time every which way, center, left tackle, some inexperience with a true freshman starter at the end of the season in Matthew Bergeron on the right side. So I think Abdul Adams, now that he has a stronger offensive line, will put up some big numbers. I got to tell you, though, I wish Fizz, Fizz Nation gave my boy Jarvion Howard some love for a couple of reasons. One, I'm just shocked that he's still here. I thought for sure... Jarvion Howard was going to transfer. I would have put a second mortgage on that one. I thought he was gone in the most in the most obvious of ways because he he wasn't respected last year. Moniel Abdul Adams and then Jarvion Howard. He was third on the depth chart and he might actually be the most talented back on the roster. He's a guy who runs angry and he's done that since day one. He'll continue to do it this year. I don't think he's Abdul Adams because he's not going to be the starter this year. He's maybe not as talented. He's not Taj Harris because, frankly, who else is Taj Harris going to compete for? But Jarvin Howard, maybe not this year, but next season, I'm really, really excited to see what he does as maybe the starter in a couple of years. Uh, definitely the starter, but I, the guy just carries piles. He's 214, 5'10", and it's a two-man job to take him down, quite simply. It, I, you can't say the same about Abdul Adams. Jarvion Howard just completely revolutionizes the way defenses approach the run game. Yeah, no, I I mean, there's nobody as physical on this Syracuse offense as Jarvin Howard. And when you need a guy to go get you two, three yards, you're trying to get that first down. You're trying to plow into the end zone. Jarvin Howard's the guy you turn to. It's not Abdul Adams. It's the guy who is more physical and just a bulldozer of a running back, which every team needs and Syracuse will absolutely need in some very crucial games this coming season. And I'm, I'm excited to see how Jarvin Howard really – produces and how he regresses throughout this season as well. Taj Harris is a really interesting pick, though, because he had some usage problems last year. DeVito was not targeting him much last season, in part because of Tristan Jackson, but I actually think that there were some chemistry issues there. I think Harris is talented enough, definitely, to be a star, a breakout star for Syracuse, but we'll see if he actually gets the playing time and the targets that he needs to emerge as the face of the Orange offense. Oh, yeah. Taj Harris is definitely going to get the playing time needed to be the top receiver. He's the top guy in this offense, running back, receiver. It doesn't matter. He is the most talented. It's really impressive 
how elusive Taj Harris is. Even though he's six foot two, he's able to just sneak away and slip out of defenders' hands, which I think is his best skill set and will really benefit Syracuse, especially with his deep threat ability and Tommy DeVito's cannon arm. He's the number one breakout candidate for this coming season. A two-horse race between Harris and Adams, only time will tell, but hey, the players are on campus for voluntary workouts. College football is around the corner, and we at Fizz Nation like that. Thanks again for joining us, Brad Klein and Tommy Schultz, with you on this edition of Fizz Radio. Join us next time, next week, 9 to 10, on Saturdays, right here on The Score, 1260.